the real meaning of Christmas. What does Christmas mean to you? And, and you got the usual. Well, it's about the office Christmas party. It's about presents. It's about uh, getting some gifts. There were some reality checks in there. there. Some people said it's about bumping up your credit card and feeling anxious for the next six months. It was, you know, some things like that. <laughs> there was one guy that really made me laugh because he actually, he sounded quite thoughtful. He said, what's Christmas, Christmas time? Hmm. Mistletoe and wine. <laughs> Children singing Christian, right? Logs on the fire, gifts on the tree, a time to rejoice in the good that we see. You like Cliff Richard, said the person doing the interview. Sorry? He said. <laughs> he clearly did. He was a fan. But as, I mean, when, when Christmas is devoid of Christ, what do we have left to sing about? There's a question I would want to ask. I mean, it, we, we would be robbed of singing beautiful carols like Hark the Herald Angel Sing. What could we possibly sing? My mind works a little oddly at times, and I came up with one or two of my own carols that would be devoid of Christ, and not to mention the kind of the, just the normal we wish you a Merry Christmas, but there are, there are other things as well. So to the tune of Joy to the World, I mean, picking up on what Luke said about the importance of food on Christmas Day, we know what it's like to fill ourselves rather full and still have room for dessert. But I wonder if this would be a song that we would sing. And since our senior pastor Paul sang this morning, I feel that I should perhaps try. Somebody help, I'm feeling sick. I've eaten far too much, and trousers burst their seams, and others check receipts for the presents they're taking back. Oh, I can't believe they bought me that. Do they really think that I'm that, that I'm that fat? Okay? Oh, no! No! no. That was not meant for applause. I was certainly not worthy of, of applause. Anyhow, do you see, despite the ludicrousy of my song and those kind of thoughts, we lose something. We lose something immensely important. And, and what I want to do for us tonight is just help us see through just the ambience of a season and the atmosphere that even a Christmas carol service in a church building like this can create. To help us see that Christmas is about way more than just singing the songs. But it's about Jesus Christ himself, who is in himself a historical reality who really came to this earth as a baby, who really lived his life for those 33 years, and who really did die on a cross, who really did rise from the dead three days later and ascend to the right hand of the Father where he reigns, waiting for that time when he will come back. But what was it all for? What was it all for? Jesus and the New Testament in particular has many occasions where it tells you quite clearly where Jesus says something like for this reason I came into the world for this reason I was born so he says to Pontius Pilate so that I can testify to the truth a couple of chapters before that in the gospel of John he had already referred to himself as the capital T truth so he's talking about himself and rightly so 
Jesus would also say things like, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And what I want to do is just tonight, I want to take us to one of those places in the New Testament, to the book of Galatians. So if you have a Bible in front of you, why don't you turn to Galatians chapter 4. And if you're using one of the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1170. I want to show you what Christmas really means, basically in two words, that Christmas is really about, number one, freedom, and number two, family. I'll explain what those mean. Let me read from Galatians chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 1 through to 7. Here's what God's word says. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, though he owns the whole estate. He's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. An heir. I mean, this is God's word to us. So I mentioned just before we read that text there, that what I want to do is help us to see uh, in the lead up to this Christmas that Christmas is about freedom and that Christmas is about family. Freedom, first of all. What do we need to be freed from? Well, according to the Bible, what we need to be freed from is our slavery to sin. And one of the first things I want to say is that Christmas is the time of year as we reflect on it. And if we, if we, if we understand its meaning significantly and truly, then Christmas exposes our slavery to sin. So Galatians 4 verse 3 there, we basically just read that people everywhere are enslaved to the basic principles of the world. That is, the people run after their heart's desires. And this room, uh, this building is full of people who have experienced that. What that really means to be enslaved in that sense is that we are mastered by things that we cannot really control. So like the love of money, or like the, the pursuit or the fulfillment of lust, and a whole number of things, uh, uh, our, our desire for materialistic uh, gratification, so getting as much stuff as we can, getting the things that we think we need, and saying of them, we must have that. Those are the kind of things that, in the biblical sense of enslavement, are the things that truly enslave us. And the images really start for us. Because what the Bible says of this enslavement is that you're unable to break the, these chains by your own efforts. You cannot possibly break these chains. Why? Because everyone sins. And when you sin, you show yourself to be enslaved to sin, so shackled to it. Jesus said himself in John chapter 8, verse 34, 
everyone who sins, and everyone does, is a slave to sin. That's true. Very, very true. It's true even in experience. If you've ever tried to break a bad habit, or if you've ever tried to implement a good new habit, like a New Year's resolution, for example. Don't want to get you thinking about them a little bit too early, but nevertheless, you you find it difficult to resolve to change, even in some of the most simplistic areas of life, like stopping eating chocolate. Find that hard? Try stopping sinning. You know, we, it's, it's all hard. We don't get very far. What's more, not only are we shackled by our own sin, we are in many respects shackled to the expectations of a culture sometimes of our own families. The chains are entwined far deeper, really, than we realize. What do we do in response to this? Well, most of the time, actually, we just pretend that nothing's wrong. Uh, To use Luke's example from earlier, we walk past the rose, don't we? We, we? We just pretend everything is okay, or else, like we do at Christmas time, we dress up our lives the way we dress up our homes trees and tinsel and all these other things to cover up really what's really there. But the good news of Christmas is that though it exposes our slavery to sin, it tells us very, very clearly that Christ came into this world to be born as a baby, to grow to be a man, to die on the cross, to be raised again to life, to go to to ascend to the right hand of the Father in heaven again, to do what? To free us from these chains to truly liberate us. And this is what Galatians 4 says. And it's something that God had been planning to do. You get that sense certainly when you read in verse 4, when the time had fully come. This wasn't a surprise thing. This was a planned thing. God had a plan, a plan that involved an incredible act of love. What was that? God sent his son knowing what was to come in terms of his life, the rejection that he would face, particularly the crucifixion that would come, that even as this babe was lying in a manger or in his mother's arms, there was a cross in the horizon. Still, God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, taking on flesh, accommodating himself to this baby. That's not how you hold a baby. By the way. It's incredible. It really is awe-inspiring as the video was leading us to think about at the start of our service. And he came according to the Father's great love and according to the Father's eternal purpose. Yes, to come and declare himself to be truth. Yes, to come and declare God's right judgment for the world and deal rightly and justly with sin. but to come and release us from slavery to it. How? Being born of a woman, it says. Born under law to redeem those under law. Born to a woman. Without any man in his intervention. Born miraculously through the virgin birth. Being 100% man. 100% God coming to live to redeem 
all of us who are not only enslaved by sin, but even by God's law, condemned by it. What is this picture of redemption? What does it mean to be redeemed by Jesus? What is this act of redemption? Well, the imagery you get in the book of Galatians as a whole is that there is a marketplace. And there are slave masters all around who are looking to buy and sell women and men into slavery. And when slave masters perhaps were fed up of their slaves in those days, they could take them back to a marketplace to be traded. And that's the imagery that we get. We are in that illustration, as it were. But the Bible says we should not be pitted in this regard because we're not passive in this. In fact, the Bible says that the tendency that lies deep within our, in our hearts is that what we do is we seek to actually purposefully and intentionally enslave ourselves and shackle ourselves to these various slave masters. And as we do that, we take hold of these slave masters, not really seeing them as slave masters, but things that even we could possibly control. We think they may be good for us to gratify these desires, to do these kind of things I'm pursuing, but no, these things enslave us. These things wear us down. These things ultimately, if we do not find Jesus, kill us. So as I mentioned, we, are, we sell ourselves to the, to the slave master of materialism, that happiness and satisfaction rests in having more, or sold to the lie of reputation, that happiness and satisfaction is found in praise from others. This is the kind of thing that Jesus comes to redeem us from, to buy us back, as if he comes into the marketplace where we are surrounded by slave masters who only have our ill in view and he purchases us and he buys us our freedom and the price he pays is the price of his own life that's what the cross is so Jesus was born as a man incarnated, took in flesh lived as a man that he might die as a man for sinful men even though his life would prove to be one of sinless perfection. He kept the whole law. No one else had done that. No one else ever could. So that when he died on the cross, this is where it's important that he's 100% God, 100% man. He died as a substitute for sinners, a sacrifice for sin, and the perfect satisfaction of the wrath of God towards sinners. This, friends, is the gospel. Christmas, therefore, about him. It's about Jesus Christ coming into this world to set this emotion to free us from our enslavement. Christmas is about freedom. Jesus breaks our slavery to sin. But here's the amazing thing. That would be good enough, wouldn't it? He doesn't just leave us there. He gives us more grace by giving us something that we didn't deserve. He adopts us into his family. And that's the second thing. Christmas is about freedom. Christmas is about family. God has sent his son to buy our freedom. As I've said, we're no longer slaves to a slave master. But now, in fact, we are children with a father. What a radically different relationship 
that Christ has bought a, brought about by purchasing us from that marketplace of slavery. Galatians 4 has said, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, and here it is, that we might receive full rights as sons, as children of God. Now that's pretty remarkable, given that our enslavement to sin had alienated us from God. We were far from him, but now through Christ we are brought near to him to the extent that he not only forgives us our sin, but calls us his own. I mean, it would have been enough for Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. Surely we think to to have our negative balance, our spiritual debt, if you like, zeroed. To sit nicely just back on the black, that would be terrific. But no, he does more than that. He credits us, our account, if you like, with the inheritance of heaven, of heaven. And it's remarkable. So as verse seven says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. That's remarkable stuff. I mean, imagine that, to use a poorly formed illustration, admittedly. Imagine the queen officially adopted you into her family, giving you the full rights and privileges of Charles and Margaret, and I forget the other ones. Um, Not only do you get to share their home, you become an heir. I told you it was a poorly formed illustration, but let me say, if this is what it looks like to inherit an earthly throne and all that it encompasses to sit at the queen's table and eat and all of those things. How much more glorious is it truly to be adopted into the household of the Almighty Father, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and to be told that you are an inheritor, not only of a favor that you didn't deserve and love that you didn't deserve, but that you are an inheritor and a co-heir with Christ the Savior himself? I can't quite take that in. But that's what Christmas is all about. You see how it's about freedom, our redemption, and it's about family, our adoption into the family of God? All through Jesus Christ, this baby who was born to Mary, that woman who grew up to die on a cross to pay that price for our rescue, for our redemption. It's remarkable. That's what Christmas is. Is truly all about. And here's what Jesus says concerning that gospel, concerning that good news. He says in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my followers. That tells us that in response to the fact that he offers us freedom and family at this Christmas time, we need to hold to his teaching. We can't just let it pass by. We need to hold to it, be his followers. Then what happens? Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what's on offer at Christmas time, you understand. 
it's not we wish you a Merry Christmas. It's veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, born to raise the sons of earth. That's you. Born to give us second birth despite our sin. New life. In a new family with a newfound freedom. How will you respond to that offer at Christmas time? I pray you will not be like the woman that I met on Friday. I was coming back from lunch into the office on Friday on South Charlotte Street. They're just about to come into the office, and there was a lady who stopped me and said, Excuse me, can you tell me how to get to Waterstones? And I said, sure, it's on Princess Street. And I pointed back down the street and I said, if you go down there, turn left. It's just about 50 yards on your left-hand side. And she said, oh, rather disbelievingly. She looked up the street towards George Street and Charlotte Square and said, "Uh, somebody told me it was up here. And I said, well, I can assure you it's down that way, turn left, 50 yards. You know, I was trying to convince her. I've been there before. There's a little, there's a Starbucks in it. I mean, you know, I've met people there. I take my family in there. Great. I was giving her far too many details. <laughs> I said, I can assure you it's there. And she said, oh, okay. And she turned and started walking down the street towards Princess Street. So I bounded up the steps and up to the first floor. And there's a window there. And for some reason, I thought, I'm going to pause. And I looked out, and there's the woman, like that, off the way up the other, towards George Street. Who knows where she is now? She's probably somewhere in Fife asking a poor little old man, can you tell me where Waterstones is, please? (laughs) You're not supposed to tell me that. (laughs) Leave it till the end. (laughs) Lesson number one, Charlotte Chapel. Um... The Waterstones that I was convinced of, okay. <laughs> Try to tell the gospel here, I mean. <laughs> Off she went. I'm sure she's in Fife, she's not. What I want us to understand is that what, what has been read to you tonight from these many different texts of the Bible, which give an account of the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, And what we've walked through tonight in terms of an understanding of what Christmas is all about, about freedom from slavery to sin, and about family, our adoption as children of God, that's true. Uh, And my prayer would be that you would not head up to George Street. (laughs) My prayer would be that you head down and follow the instruction. Because these words here, are the way to life. And it's these truths that mark Christmas with the true significance that it should duly have. And that would be our prayer for you, particularly tonight if you're here, you're not a Christian. We're really glad you're here. You're very welcome. And we'd love for you to hang around and ask some questions off the back of this. I'm sure there are plenty of questions. That's great. That's fine. We expect that.
There's a Glad You Asked course which deals with those kind of questions that's coming up just at the turn of the year. The least you could do would be to ask more questions. Please don't go away and go the wrong way. Humbly, may I encourage you, come believingly to the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing your sin, thanking him for the price he paid for your redemption and for your adoption to give you grace and love this Christmas time. Let's pray together.